Welcome everybody, Money in the Bank 2023, July 1st, that is, this is Brian, hi, uh, Ballard, I'm back at it again, covering all here on Tap Out Talk. It was a night of ladders, it was a light of crashing tables, it was a night of civil war. It happened in London, England, they got a treat this evening. And our commentators were Michael Cole and Wade Barrett. And by the end of the show, I'm going to tell you, I'm calling my shot. Who's the biggest loser of 2022? And I'm going to make that call halfway through the year right now. I think you'll be surprised. Let's get in. All right, guys, this one starts out with the first, the men's. Money in the Bank match taking lead here. I like the WWE's call with this one. We've got Butch. Let me at him, Scoop. We've got Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Logan Paul, L.A. Knight, Damian Priest, and Santos Escobar from the LWO. We get the men's Money in the Bank match first, and I gotta say, I'm an advocate for this. I actually thought they would start out with the women's match in the very opening, but they did not. And that's fine, because we all knew that Civil War was gonna be the main event. So the men's money in the bank with Butch and Knight getting some crazy reactions really from the crowd. Paul gets surrounded and jumped before the start of the match and people start to pair off. Logan Paul is viewed as the outsider here. The ring clears out until Paul slides in with the first ladder of the match, but Nakamura makes the save. Back in, a bunch of people crush Priest into the corner with a ladder until Knight drops everyone. Nakamura kicks Knight down with a drop to the knee. Priest into the ladder. Butch and Nakamura slug it out until Paul goes up and gets pulled down and beaten up again. We get some points in this match. We get a lot of highlights in this match. There's a lot of good guys that can do a lot of work here. We get into the outside. We get Logan Paul and Priest who decide they're going to have a little alliance temporarily. But that shortly, you know, noticing that they were having guys ganged up on them, that shortly gets dismantled as, you know, they don't last as an alliance for long. But some of you guys are wondering who's going to be the winner of this one. What was the right call? We talked about this on all of our other shows. But my call for the night was Logan Paul. But you know what? That didn't work out as planned. We get back into this match. We get a lot of action. We get springboards, 450s on two. You know, a lot of guys. We get a nice spot with Ricochet doing a flip uh, through the ladder. We got overall Nakamura diving off the ladder with a knee to Escobar. We got Butch who's climbing off the ladder at ringside. Moonsaw's old to everybody. That was his spot. Only to have Paul pull him back inside. At this point, it's Escobar coming in to make the save, but Nakamura makes another save. They both climb up the ladder each until Ricochet and Paul join them. A big brawl is on, and Knight shoves Nakamura and Escobar, and Escobar down. Knight shoves the other ladder over, and Ricochet and Logan Paul try to land on the ropes. With Ricochet hitting a springboard Spanish fly onto 
one of the tables of the two tables that are set in their ringside. The referees check on Logan Paul. He isn't quite dead yet, but man, he, he took a hit. Priest cuts off Bush and Knight breaks it up as well. There's a blunt trauma hits Escobar and then Nakamura's toss, leaving Knight to possibly one of the favorites for a lot of people in this match. But he was just cut off by Damian Priest, who broken arrows him down. And Priest is your Money in the Bank winner at the 20 minute and 34 second mark. Interesting talk. LA Knight was the popular fan's choice. My choice for this match would have been Logan Paul. I like the idea of the Money in the Bank briefcase being featured on the internet and on YouTube without having to be on live WWE TV. I would have liked the exposure that Logan Paul would have given to this briefcase carrying it around for a year. I think it would have also allowed the WWE to make, you know, um, the women's money in the briefcase be more prominent and featured on TV. And now I don't know if we're going to get a, that little bit of an advantage for the ladies there. That was, you know, I think a missed opportunity by the WWE. However, I am not going to get mad at this choice of Damian Priest. The storyline was baked in there. It was already baked in with Finn Balor in Judgment Day. Would Damian Priest take over and try to take over Judgment Day and try to take over a title if Finn Balor was to win it eventually? Ultimately, I do think it's a good choice for somebody to hold on to that briefcase. What I believe happened tonight, I believe Triple H wanted... LA Knight to win that title with Money in the Bank. I believe Vince McMahon wanted Logan Paul and the exposure for the WWE brand. And I think what we got was a compromise. This was a 50-50 compromise by both men, giving it to an up-and-coming star, but in addition to being able to have it featured on TV. So I do think that this is both of them meeting halfway in the middle by giving this to Damian Priest. I do not believe he was originally in contention for this. But I do believe with the storyline built in with Finn Balor, I believe that was a win for Vince and Triple H. Paul Levesque. Alright, let's move on. Our next matchup was the Women's Tag Team Championship. Now, we've got Team UFC, right? We got Baszler and Rousey going against the former champs that really never lost, which was Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Shout out to the London crowd tonight. By the way, if I didn't mention it at the top of the program, London crowd was on fire. They were on all night long. They had a lot of great chants. The WWE is doing some good, correct things with these international shows, exposing the fresh crowds. Makes us want to cheer more as American crowds. But they're definitely bringing it. They're out showing us. Let's see what we got. Baszler and Rousey are defending, of course, in this match. Morgan avoids Baszler's arm stop at the start and sends Baszler to the apron for a springboard dropkick. Rodriguez power bumps Morgan over the top onto the champs, but Baszler goes after the arm back inside. Rousey comes in for some, you know, arm cranking of her own, but Morgan gets over to Rodriguez for the tag. A choke doesn't work for Rousey, who gets caught in a super bomb for a heck of a crash. And then Morgan comes back in and gets armbarred by Baszler. The ankle locked by Rousey at the same time. Rodriguez makes the save and Morgan has to escape the clutch. But Rousey comes back in and Dex, Shay and Shayna Baszler gets Dex, Ronda Rousey. 
setting up the clutch on Rousey as Morgan looked shocked. Liv Morgan looked extremely shocked when Shayna Baszler decks Ronda Rousey right out of nowhere in the middle of this matchup. There was no story built to this. No disascension building up for the weeks between these two, but you know what? It happened. It shocked me. It was probably one of my surprises of the night. The WWE had a little bit of tricks up their sleeve, and this was one of them. A Shayna Baszler heel turn, or at least a turn, on Ronda Rousey. So then, after this happens, and Baszler leaves Ronda Rousey in the ring as dead meat, Liv Morgan, after she gets over her shock, then she hits the Oblivion to give us the new women's tag team champions at the 8 minute and 28 second mark. I was truly shocked by this one. I felt that the WWE would want titles going into SummerSlam on the UFC ladies, especially Ronda Rousey. But then again, this is another way to go about it. They actually swerved me on this one too. They got me twice tonight. So this one, I believe now we're setting up for SummerSlam. Rousey and Baszler. It's not about these women tag matches. These women tag titles, unfortunately, are not the big story of a women's tag title defense. So they won the titles, but they don't really get any exposure for that. But what they do get is a UFC versus UFC match at SummerSlam between Baszler and Rousey. Speaking of UFC, let's go to another former UFC competitor, and that is Matt Riddle. Right before this, though, we get Damian Priest, who is backstage on an interview, and he doesn't know what champion he'll cash in on. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But even though the storyline suggests different. But he does give that statement. Then we get our Intercontinental title match. We get Gunther versus Matt Riddle. Surely I have to get this one right. You know what? Gunther is defending and he has to fight out of an armbar right in the beginning. Riddle's kick to the ribs are blocked. There's big chops, but Riddle puts um, he puts Riddle down hard on the mat. Forearms and don't get Riddle very far, so he goes for the leg, only to have Gunther stomp him down. Gunther goes after the previously damaged ankle, including a leg bar. Riddle fights up and he hits a heck of a clothesline, but Riddle's right back with a penalty kick. And then there's a floating bro and he gets a one and a two. Because Riddle's leg, you know, just isn't getting done right now. He's not tapping. But he does get chopped down. The splash is countered into a triangle choke. Gunther power bombs his way right through the through that. And then there's a half cap crab broken up by Gunther, and he chops at the ankle. And then he cranks away. And he gets the win. Or the submission, I should say. He gets the win at the 7 minute and 40 second mark. And Gunther is your Intercontinental title champion still. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. There is no chance that Matt Riddle was winning this one. Gunther, the WWE, I said it before, wants to freshen up their record books. And the honky-tonk, man, Intercontinental title streak will be broken by Gunther. I don't see it any other way. And I feel like this is a good way to bring relevancy to the modern day Intercontinental Championship. Now we just got to have a good challenger for Gunther to keep this thing interesting so it's not as predictable as this Matt Riddle match. This was a Monday Night Raw type title defense. But wait, enter Drew McIntyre as a suitable champion or contender I should say for this title. Drew 
appears. The two are face to face. Walter, aka Gunther, and Drew McIntyre. That's SummerSlam. Bank on it. Money in the bank on it. Definitely a good choice here with Drew, a returning Drew McIntyre. It's interesting. People were saying Drew's done with the company. Not yet. We don't know the future of his contract status. I put a Twitter poll out a few weeks ago. A lot of people did vote towards possibly Drew staying. But I do think that he's going to, WWE's going to get what they need out of him. And I will see Walter or Gunther getting a little bit of a advantage on Drew here to put over him in the title even further. It's a good choice, though, to have Drew, especially returning right in jolly old England. All right, so we go from that match on to, I'm going to say that last one was more of a squash match, but we're going to go on to our Cody Rhodes versus Dominique Mysterio match. So here we got a match that nobody really cared about. Everybody was looking to Brock Lesnar for this match. Part three, which will be coming up here with Cody at SummerSlam. But Rhea Ripley is here with Dominique, who runs off up back up the ramp or the aisleway, trying to escape this match already. But then Dominique playing the heel, doing the good heel work, playing the cowardly heel, the sneaky heel. You know, he's doing a little bit of that Eddie Guerrero Latino heat vibe with Rhea Ripley. But unfortunately, more people were talking about Rhea Ripley's hairstyle than this matchup itself. So Dominique tries to bail a couple times. Rhea then eventually kind of gets involved. And then the distraction lets Dominic get a few cheap shots. And then we hit a chin lock back inside. Cody fights up. After shrugging off the three amigos, he hits a disaster kick. An Alabama slam sets up the Cody cutter and hits the crossroads for the win at the 6 minute and 35 second mark. So I got to say, obviously, um, Cody's arm was proven to not be broken anymore. Suspension of disbelief. Doesn't always have to be realistic, makes sense. You just gotta say, it's like going to a movie, right? You go to see Jurassic Park. Sometimes you just have to say, yay, dinosaurs. Suspension of disbelief. Sometimes you just gotta roll with it in wrestling, right? So, um, this match did nothing for me. This was another Monday Night Raw match. I'm gonna talk about this a little bit at the end of the program, but right now, Cody Rhodes is your winner in a skip through pay-per-view style match in which we're gonna go on to the big one at SummerSlam. We had to do something at Money in the Bank to keep people interested though. And then we get another shock of the night, a special appearance by John Cena. He doesn't know what to think. He says the fans are singing the right words to his song instead of John Cena sucks and wonders why it took 20 years to come back here for another major event. The decision makers around here think it's hostile environment with fans who take over the show. Interesting that John would bring this up. John is advocating for a WrestleMania to be in London. They're planting the seeds. So here's what's interesting. This is called the AEW effect. Tony Khan and company just getting ready to do Wembley Stadium here in about a month with the All In Show. And now the WWE sends its most recognizable face, its big gun, its publicity stunt, John Cena, out to England to do the constant work for the WWE. They couldn't even get Paul Vest for this one. They, they didn't need Triple H, right? They needed John. That's how big this is to the WWE. 
you can now see the WWE is advocating and politicking to try to get a WrestleMania in London. And they want to do business there. All of a sudden, the AEW effect. But I will say this. John Cena. What a class act. What a company guy. Heck, you can't get Dwayne to do this kind of work. Right? And he's a generational star. A third generational star. Deep-rooted family history. His cousin's the one of the biggest champions on the program. His daughter works for the company. Can't get Dwayne to do this much, but John, John will fly to England just for a special guest appearance, just to try to campaign for a WrestleMania. Shout out to John. You've kept your promise, John, and you have been the true people's champion for many, many years. And a true, true Hall of Famer. By the way, I love that you can't see me, John Cena. Nod to Sergeant Slaughter. Definitely like Sergeant Slaughter. So that was a nice little nod to Sergeant Slaughter there with that you can't see me G.I. Joe style shirt. Loving that. So anyway, Cena kind of talks to the crowd. And then we get, after a while, we get an interruption from Grayson Waller. This is what we call the Carlito type effect, right? It's like a WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Roddy Piper and Carlito comes out chewing his apple, kind of interrupts. You got to have somebody. So, hey, you know, Grayson Waller, why not? The crowd's going to know who he is because the London fan base is great. They pay attention to their wrestling and they're going to know Grayson Waller, give him a reaction. Grayson Waller state ties the politic for a match of his own in Australia for the Grayson Waller effect. John Cena simply says, no, I'll pass. He doesn't need to go get on a plane drive and go somewhere else just to get a rub. At this point, we do end up with the attitude adjustment, leaving Waller Lane. That wasn't really an overall official announcement, but it's hard to imagine. Could this just be a one-off tease or is there something else here? Maybe that's a SummerSlam match that we see. Maybe see that this year is going to put over the Austin Theories and the Grayson Wallers and just work with the young guys. I don't hate that. That's John giving back to the business. All right, let's move on to our next one. It's the Money in the Bank women's ladder match. And there were so many mixed in stories with this one. We've got Io Shirai and Bailey from Damage Control. Will they break up? Will they stay together? What's going on there? Heard an interesting thing on our show the other day on Moon Cutters. We talked a little bit about possibly Bailey. Maybe someday managing Dominic Mysterio. You have to check that one out. But we do have Trish Stratus. We've got Zoe Stark. And we've got the Becky Lynch drum. A little bit of triple threat there, right? And then we got Zelina Vega, who felt like she was kind of filling the role here. But she was doing a good job. She was doing a good job with it. There was a rumor that she was going to get taken out by Charlotte Flair. And then inserted into this match to add just a little more sizzle. Like you say, sometimes you got to sell the sizzle and not the steak. I'm glad they left Zelina in there, though. She did a good work. And you know what? She did some good work for them on these international shows. I got to give her credit. So we got the women's money in the bank match, according to the ring announcer. Bailey is now, of course, um, Bailey is, you know, of course, in the ring. And then we actually get uh, Trish Stratus sending Stark to jump Lynch in the aisle. And the fight is on really, really quick. Uh, 
Eosky jumps off the apron, takes out Bailey before Trish and Stark grab another ladder. Becky sends them into the ladder, and Bailey, as the fans just overall, you know, sing to her. The fans just were singing all night long. I loved it. Um, she throws in the big ladder. Sky and Bailey get into it, allowing Becky to go try to climb. Stark cuts her off and gets beaten down for effort, and the disarm her goes on to have Stratus make the save. Vega and Trish slug it out. So then we get a men's saw. We get a pile up. We get Becky and Trish who go to the top and slug it out. But Zelina Vega makes the save. LWO for life. That earns a double power bomb. And Trish versus Becky are fighting again. Stark pulls Becky out for the again and rams her into the post. And then, uh oh, there's handcuffs involved now. Becky blocks being cuffed and bridges a ladder between the announcer's table onto the apron. The commentary points out that this has taken a long time. It's kind of solid a little bit. Becky hits the manhandle slam onto Trish, onto the ladder. Back in, Vega hits the code red to bring Stark off the ladder in another bridge ladder in a really, really, really big crash. With Bailey going up, Becky makes the save and tries to handcuff Bailey's mouth. The camera zooms in here and like, you get like a really zoomed in weird moment. Sky breaks that stuff up and cuffs them together through the ladder. They can't get out, they're struggling, allowing her to climb. That's right, Io Sky, the princess of the sky, Io Shirai as I like to say, grabs the briefcase at the 18 minute mark. WWE did it right here tonight. They could have went a different, couple different routes. I was really debating if they were going to go with Trish Stratus carrying this Money in the Bank, you know, title around with her. Um, star power, right? I'm glad to see WWE we went with EO Sky. I think her and Bailey can have a little bit of a feud. And I would say her and Bailey have a maybe a breakup feud eventually. But I do see EO Sky cashing this in on Asuka. Maybe we get that at SummerSlam. Maybe we get that at WrestleMania. Maybe we get it at Royal Rumble. But I would like to see Asuka and EO Sky take on this Money in the Bank. And you know what? Why not make it a ladder match? Let's go ahead and cash in the briefcase in a ladder match between those two. I would love to see that one. So, book it. Let's move on. Before we move on, thank you guys. Hey, if you guys hit that like button, that helps my channel out so much. It's one of the best things you guys can do for me. I really appreciate when you guys do that and when you just really share or even subscribe. But hey, I want to give a shout out to my tag team partner. Him and I invaded our friends over at Moon Cutters. Joffrey, we all went over the previews for the Money in the Bank ladder match and that show got me really excited for what we watched tonight. Also, shout out to my stable mates over at the Wrestling Fans Insight Podcast. We also did a similar breakdown with my tag partner, Carlos, my stable mate, John, and we went ahead and we broke that down over on the show there. But all of us are connected there through the fansofprowrestling.com. We've got a lot of great podcasters over there. we got Ted the Hillbilly Hill. We've got Austin Boyer. We've got a lot of people over there, including ourselves. So if you want to be a part of that network, let's get in. Let's move on and get into the World Heavyweight Championship match. The World Heavyweight Championship match. The Seth Rollins versus 
Finn Balor. Finn Balor is challenging, and they go to the mat, and they start to slug it out with Balor getting the better of things. There's a shot to the ribs. They fight, uh, they fight outside. Seth hits a suicide dive, but he dodges another. A double stomp to the ribs back inside. The pedigree attempt counter through, and now the stomp can boom connect. You know, this matchup was set up with the idea that these guys fought over a similar newer title that would go on to be known as the Universal title many, many years ago at SummerSlam with Finn Balor coming out on top and winning that title. This is one of Seth's first title defenses. You know, he's early in that, you know, since winning the tournament and winning this world title. And I made the prediction that Seth should keep this title not just for himself, but also to create strengthen the title it needs a nice good long run and then he loses it maybe in an epic fashion down the line but it's not tonight uh uh it's got to be a win for the title tonight and seth rollins is the right champion to keep this one on so balor you know stays on the ribs on seth they get back in the ring later on um the sling blade is hit on rollins there's a buckle bomb um buckle bomb to balor right back and then balor gets his knees up to stop a splash for a roll-up and gets a one and a two. Rollins manages a pedigree for a delayed one and a two. And there's Damian Priest who comes out with the briefcase and now we're wondering. The fans are chanting, cash it in, cash it in. And you're just wondering, is that going to become a triple threat? The commentators, Michael Cole does a great job talking about WrestleMania and how Seth cashed in and won his first world title in a major situation between Roman and Brock Lesnar at that main event of WrestleMania. So there's no cashing yet, and Rollins hits a super kick, sends Balor to the floor, and then Priest actually just takes a chair and kind of sits down and watches this thing after him and Rollins kind of jammer back and forth. But Priest's distraction lets Balor then hit a pair of coup de gras, but another misses on the inside as Balor was glaring at Priest, wondering what he's doing even there. Rollins hits the stomp to retain the curb stomp at the 12 minute and 34 second mark. Your winner, the World Heavyweight Championship, remains on Seth freaking Rollins. It was the right call for the pinfall. Again, this is not just a win for the world title. This is the win for Seth Rollins. This is a win for the WWE Championship. It's a great call, and we have to see where Seth Rollins is going to move on to. I think Damian Priest and Finn Balor got some business. That'll be interesting TV leading up in the coming weeks. But now it's time for the main event. We've got the Civil War Bloodline. We've got Bloodline Civil War, Roman and Solo Sokoa versus Jimmy and Jey Uso. We get a video package before this matchup of Edge. And that plays into psychology of what the WWE is trying to do here. But this is about tonight. We now get a package for this matchup. We get how Jimmy turned on Roman, protecting his brother. We then get Jay returning the favor to Jimmy. And now it's split down the line. Paul Heyman is here with Reigns and Sokoa. Jimmy and Sokoa stare at each other at the start before Sokoa knocks him down really hard. Jimmy isn't sure what to do here, but it's off to Jay via blind tag, and Sokoa gets dropped 
Reigns once in, and after a really, really long time, and took a while to get kind of going on this one, he gets up to a headlock. Jay gets powered down, but it's fine enough to bring Jimmy back in. A threat of a double super kick sends Reigns bailing to the floor, where Heyman says, I, uh, Jay has his way. Roman's son will be sitting at Jay's table. Um, if, uh, back in, then Jimmy slugs away but gets dropped in a single right hand. Sokoa gets stomped away, but we hit a nerve hold for a bit. One heck of a forearm. Jimmy again, the fans decide that they should all stand up and they're all standing up in the crowd and the energy is so electric. And it's crazy because I think of like last week in AEW for Ben Doran, the fans were really fighting to hit that five hour mark where, you know, they did a good job, but this is like really, really electric and it was a good timing here. Um, this makes Reigns sit on the apron for a while and complain to Heyman how much he hates the England fans. And he just basically trashes the whole crowd and just says how they're, you know, just the worst fans in the world. With that out, you know, done, Sokoa hits a running um, attack, Umaga attack, and Reigns comes back in to add some shots of his own. Um, basically, then at this point, we get Jimmy fighting. Reigns comes in and cuts Jimmy off, and Jimmy kicks him away. There's no Jay as Sokoa makes a perfectly timed cutoff. So beating, Jay's waiting on that hot tag. Jimmy dodges the Superman punch, though, and the Cactus crossbody puts them both on the floor. Back After that, back in, um, and the hot tags bring Jay in, and Jay's cleaning house at this point, including a high crossbody for a one and a two on Sokoa. Reigns himself back in and gets knocked to the outside where the Superman punch cuts off a diving Jay Uso. Another one connects back inside, but Jimmy makes his own blind tag and there's a double spear. Um, hits Reigns. Sokoa has to make the save this time. And Solo, uh, this time as Reigns was not getting up from that double spear. And then when we get a big showdown, Reigns, Superman punches Jimmy for a one and a two. Reigns is frustrated, and it's made it even worse is the spear is cut off with a super kick. The superfly splash is pulled into a guillotine choke, but Jimmy powers up, Jay comes in, and the referee gets knocked down and out of this one. And then Jay super kicks Reigns into a 1D with a one to count. Solo Sokoa breaks up the double superfly splashes, and it's a pair of release rock bottoms to the Usos. Jimmy gets spiked, and then there's a cool spot with a spike and a spear by Roman and Solo with the Usos. And then at that point, we get uh, Jay dead, basically dead in the ring, so Reigns can attack, and then he gets up after a two count. At this point, you wonder. So this is the point where very, very good psychological booking by the WWE. Roman goes for a pin with both Usos stacking them up, much like he did many years ago at WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan and Edge stacking them up and dominant pinning on both of them in that championship match. Well, it's interesting that the WWE showed a package right before this match of Edge. And it was a highlight package of his whole career. That's WWE psychology at its best. You plant the seed in the fan's head. And then you show them what you're going to show them. And they see what they see. So at that point, you get that psychological seed planted. And you see what Roman did. And the fans that really remember 
it's jogging their memory a little bit. Now we're thinking WrestleMania and Edge, right? In which they want you to think Edge. They don't want you to think Daniel Bryan. But the truth is it was both. So we get that stack up. And at this point, there is a kick out, which at this point you're looking and you're thinking maybe, maybe momentum is now shifting heavily in the Usos' way. We get at this point a low blow on the kick out and then a bunch of super kick drops on Reigns. I mean, super kick, super kick, super kick, party. And Jay hits a super fly splash from the top rope for the pin, the one, the two, the three. At the 31 minute and 55 second mark, the Bloodline Civil War tag team is over with the first time, as the announcers tell the story, Michael Cole says, first time in three and a half years that Roman Reigns has ever taken a pin. And that man to take the pin is the guy that started all with this with him many, many years ago. And it was main event, Jay Uso, with his brother Jimmy looking nervous in the corner as Jay gets the one, the two, and the three. And in the single hand, Roman puts over Jimmy and Jay Uso in a full circle story of taking that pinfall. Roman's looking distraught at the end of the match. He's looking broken. Solo's looking surprised and shocked. You just can't help but wonder what's the next phase of the storyline. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I feel like this match was really good. It didn't kick into gear for me until the very last eight minutes. But that's the typical Roman and Uso storytelling. You know, they um, it's a lot of story. It's a lot of drama. And it's not in a bad way. It's just, you know, that's a lot of psychological stuff going on in these matches. And so I will say um, this bloodline is just that first piece of it. Where do we go from here? I don't know if where we're heading as far as do one of the Usos get a championship match? Do we get uh, Sokoa, Solo Sokoa maybe turning on Roman? Do we get like a fatal four-way matchup with all of the four of these men? And even then, I think Roman Reigns might win that match. I don't know if Roman loses the title to one of these guys. But then again, never say never. Anything can happen in the WWE. I do see this match. If you want me to give you a prediction for the future. I think this feud could go out to Survivor Series. Where we get a very, very first bloodline civil war in a steel war games match. I could see Roman recruiting other members. I could see the Usos having their group. Maybe we have Jimmy and Jay and Solo and maybe Sammy and Kevin. They're still out there. Maybe they can like realign and that can be one half of this war games match team. And maybe Roman and some younger, fresher Samoan blood to get in the line of this one. We'll have to see in time will tell, but I will say this. This is one of the best WWE stories in many, many years. Well, guys, let's get into our final thoughts. So Money in the Bank 2023, I believe it delivered. London's crowd was hot. It was amazing. It was fire. They stayed energized 
for all three and a half hours of this pay PLE. So Damian Priest won the men's money in the bank. There's a good underlying story there with Finn Balor, but I don't think Damian cashes in for that world title quite yet. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, they were the winners of the championships, but they were the losers of SummerSlam. All the focus now is going towards the UFC stars, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, but they're not my biggest losers of the year. That's coming here in a minute. I'm going to talk about that still. I didn't forget. Speaking of UFC stars, Matt Riddle was a loser in this matchup. This was a Monday Night Raw type match. It was very quick, very just kind of ineffective. This was just meant to be the bump in the road as Gunther breaks the Honky Tonk Man's record very, very soon. Cody Rhodes, Dominic Mysterio. The feud did not do anything to help Cody Rhodes out. So this is why I am going to say and give you guys my, it breaks my heart to say, Cody Rhodes is the biggest loser of 2023. And I'm calling it right now, halfway through the year. I'm calling my shot early. The opportunity to win the Rumble and lose at WrestleMania. And it was a one and done. And then we get a feud with Brock Lesnar that, let's be honest, doesn't really have that same Cody vibe. I, for the record, want to say I'm an advocate and a fan for the Rhodes family. They're one of the best wrestling families in the history of the business. And I can't help but wonder, you know, Cody is a former AEW, you know, VP. And I just, I feel like he was swerved, bamboozled, flim flammed a little bit coming over to the WWE now. And I'm really not feeling, and I'm, you know, unfortunately, I think we're losing interest there. But on the other side of it, you know, in the main event, we did get the Usos being put over, which was a good and right call. So Cody Rhodes is my biggest loser of the year so far. And I don't see anything coming in the second half of the year that's going to change and steer it back to the middle. I think we're all now being distracted from this. Who knows if he'll ever get back on top. Time will tell. Io Sky won the women's championship match. I feel like her and Asuka are heading for a showdown. Seth Rollins retained. That's important. He needs to do that. The championship needs it. But the Usos and Jay Uso coming full circle and getting the first pin on Roman. I like that call. I know some of you guys do not. I know some of you guys felt like the championship and Roman getting pinned should have all been bundled up into one big package. But spread the wealth. Pass the, pass the potatoes. Serve that meal around the table, the head of the table, right? Pass that along and let others benefit. Roman is putting over two members of his family with the Usos in the storyline. He's actually even, heck, put over a Sammy and Kevin as well, if you think about it. So Roman is putting over a lot of guys on his journey as being the longest reigning champion in the modern era. Well, guys, those are my results and final thoughts. I want to say thank you again. I'm heading out of here. But remember, it's not goodbye. It's just game over.